And we're back. Told you we'd be back. And now, without further ado, we're going to bring you Ronnie and Friends with our guest, Forrest. Here we go. Ronnie. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. Um, before we move on, I need to do a little PSA. Um, first off, let me announce to the world that, yes, I am a dumbass. I did not pay my gas bill, and they turned my gas off. So I have been sitting here all day waiting for the guy to come turn it back on, and he has not showed up yet. So there's a possibility he may appear on my porch while this show is going on. And if that happens, Greg is going to <laughs> Greg is going to step in and take over. Um, of course, you'll be talking to Greg then while the guy is still here. They told me when I called this morning, they gave me a verified time frame of basically between when I was on the phone and midnight. show over to Greg for a few minutes until he can get my dumb pilot lights lit. Anyways, that was my PSA for the night. So now, moving on, I'm so glad that we have Forrest Stepnowski um, back with us tonight. Um, I'm just, I, I love having you here, Forrest. You're so much fun. How have you been since the last time we spoke? I've been doing good. Um... I almost have my uh, second book done. I am up to 80 pages in it. Awesome. Um, goal is to get it up to 100, and that book should be out June 5th. Wonderful. I am excited to read it, honestly, because from everything that you have told me and everything that I've heard from, you know, our chats and whatnot and a couple of the teasers you've posted on Twitter... And a lot of myths out there, 
you know, we crave romantic, we, we crave romantic moments just like anyone else. We have needs just like everyone else. And this book is definitely focused on that. And yes, it may have some background chatter of uh, <laughs> Eagles, you know, if those who are familiar with the Eagles uh, clubs around the country and around the world, it has a few types of poems like that in it too. So it's a good mosh posh of different elements of gay romanticism and eroticism. Did you ever watch that show that used to be on Queer as Folk? I did. <laughs> and I will or may or may not confirm that there are some inspirations from that show in this book. <laughs> well, I found it interesting when you were talking about, you know, gay men wanting romance and this and that, because that show showed so much of the two sides of the coin. You had Michael, who just wanted a relationship but at the same time had no clue that he could actually get one yeah you know and then you had brian who had no desire whatsoever for a relationship and then ended up basically married without any say so in the matter (laughs) pretty much pretty much so there's full spectrums of those types of uh storylines in my poetry in the next book so I can't wait to see what some people think. And if Joy is listening, I recommend she not read this one. Although she loved my first one, this is probably one that falls under her not want to touch. Do I know Joy? Uh, what was that? I said, do I know Joy? Yes, you're your co-host with your oh, rivers and yes. <laughs> Because she actually, and I was very honored, she took a chance reading my book, even though it was about gay culture and it was poetry. And, you know, we're looking at two different things that she's not comfortable reading. Um, Mm -hmm. And she took a chance and read it and actually loved it and felt what I wanted to put out there. She nailed it in her review of my book of what it was about. And... um, and I appreciate her taking that risk to try something new. That one is not a book I would probably recommend for her or someone like her. <laughs> no, I, I just have to agree. Just based on what I, I already know of this book, I would have to agree. That is one of the, the things that I hear the most uh, when I'm talking to people in, in the Rave Reviews book club um, is that, through their membership, they have ventured into reading books that they would not normally have read. And oh. I've done, I have done that myself. I uh, have this I, last week, actually. <laughs> I really don't care much for romance books because they tend to be very cookie-cutter, and you've got your beautiful, stunningly beautiful, irresistible woman who generally doesn't know she's so stunningly beautiful and irresistible, and then you have your beautiful man. Yes, Claudio. <laughs> uh, may or may not know how pretty he is, depending on whether he's a bit of a bad boy or not. But these two people meet, and then there's all these reasons why they can't be together, but they want to be together, and they know they should be together. And, I mean, it just gets to me, and I mean, no disrespect to anybody who writes romance. This is just how it affects me. But the books get boring to me. And then, of course, they always ride off into the sunset together. And 
On a white horse. And I, 
said very truthfully that, well, Ricky would not, it was made very clear to us. I was not allowed to hit anybody. I wasn't allowed to throw a chair. So I decided that the next time this particular person took me onto one of those shows, it was going to be Springer because I wanted to pick up a chair and swing for the bleachers. <laughs> You know, and it's like, 
you know, movies like, yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, I actually found the movie Exit the Eden a little bit more entertaining than Killley, so it had humor in it. Um, yeah, <laughs> but even then... But it was not realistic. No, it was not realistic, and it was definitely... I mean, it sparked a conversation, but the conversation never went further than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my poem isn't full of that scene specifically. There are some inspired poems that do reflect that scene, and more coming for that. Uh, but it's also the lost romanticism too. You know, fantasy of walking down the beach and catching the eye of the guy on the on the on the corner, just playing in the waves. You know, that strange hookup, you know, it, I'm trying to be very PG, of course, because there's some, <laughs> I can't, there are some, most of the poems I probably could not read over the radio, because of the imagery. I just got this picture in my mind, and you're going to laugh at me, but I got this picture in my mind of you down by the ocean, barefoot, uh, prancing through the waves, you know, that are up this past your, you know, almost like halfway to your knees. You're, you're prancing and frolicking through these waves, and you're wearing one of those 1920s or 30s bathing suits. Oh, Ronnie. <laughs> and you've got the uh, skirt, and you're out there in the water spinning this parasol around your head. Oh, God. I'm not tonight. <laughs> And now all the readers now have an image of me <laughs> to add more to the imagery. I am six two. For those who don't have never met me, I'm fairly tall, so that makes it even more funny of seeing me prancing and frolicking and high kicking, perhaps. <laughs> Before you go there, I got a couple questions. 
Um, sure. What I'm going to do first is give you the, eh, the easier one of the two. Do you draw inspiration from your work, from your life as a drag queen? And this comes from Crystal Davenport. Did I draw? Yes, I did. Um, and I actually have another book I'm working on that will be one of my next projects called uh, Memoirs of a Drag Mother. Um, that will be a little bit more about that. But yes, there's a lot of poetry in there regarding my life as a drag queen. Um, I think it was, for me, it was very important to have that part of my life in this, in that first book because of the fact that drag actually saved my life. Um, I was very suicidal. I am a survivor of suicide. I'm glad to announce that. I'm very proud that I am an example that life does get better for those who may be listening and have not realized that yet. Life does get better and proof of that. Um, drag saved my life because it gave me an opportunity to be myself in a very positive world um, that I lived in. Um, I was raised very religious. I was uh, secluded for a lot, from a lot of different things. Um, as far as my mother knew, I, at least I was shoved in a closet for a little bit. Um, I was experiencing things on my own, probably not in the most safe terms. I buried one of my first friends of AIDS that year, of HIV, complications of AIDS. Uh, this was back in the early 90s, um, to give a time frame in Southern California. So to, to be a little bit more brief, during that time of my life, I had the, the person who I was seeing at the time um, in high school, I should say, be, be honest about that. Uh, he noticed I was slipping down that path again. And I was being very self, self-hating and all of that because I felt like I could have protected my friend. And that... Um, for me, at that point, I <laughs> why I can write the book, the book Bound that's coming out is because I myself engaged in an activity that many people didn't realize I did. And it's amazing that I ha- did not get HIV to this day um, based on my pattern behavior back then. So drag actually saved my life. It helped me become me, but I was able to stay closeted as Forrest. But Victoria was able to be herself and able to perform and make people smile. And I found joy out of making people smile, um, performing for them, impersonating different celebrities for them. So yes, there's a lot of reflection of that in my book. Okay, awesome. I hope you got a good answer. Uh, this other one, I'm picking and choosing here. Uh, oh, wow, there's a lot of, lot of questions, huh? <laughs> uh, let's go with this one, because you have kind of touched on that. You've written about some very personal life experiences. Are your family and friends supportive of your books? Jerry P., 
who was that last one? Gary P. Yeah. Um, yes, I would say now they are. Um, I think a lot of my family um, who was around me during the time of my childhood, I look at my writing as therapeutic, not just for myself, but for them. Um, me and my father didn't really have a close relationship after we left when I was 10, but we have now. Um, we've been able to, I've been able to forgive, and he's been able to forgive himself for some of the experiences I endured and my sister endured, and me and my father are closer than anything now. So healing can happen uh, for many people, uh, not just with counseling, but through arts and stuff like that. So yes, um, writing has been very supported by my family and has been encouraged for me to do that because I have been able to help other people through it. Uh, so yeah, there's not been a lot of hesitancy with what I'm writing about in my poetry and in my short story that I have in that book. Wonderful. Well, Gary P., I hope you got the answer. Uh, <laughs> uh, me, I have one. I have one answer. I have one question. That is, and this basically yeah. is about coming from me. Um. Uh, not that I'm trying to come on to nobody, because that's not my style anyway. But <laughs> just wanna just wanna put that out there. I am a pure heterosexual, although I wonder about that sometimes. But um, uh, here's my thing. You spoke of growing up and finding yourself. Um, what at, at what point in your life did you stop hating who you are and begin loving who you are and basically saying the hell with it, the world? I'm gonna do what I want to do <laughs> when I want to do it. The only reason I, the only reason I say that because uh, I live a similar pathway, but a little bit different. I mean, I'm not. No disrespect, I'm not uh, a gay individual, but I lived, and Riley knows some of my life, didn't tell her everything, because she, then she'd probably think I'm really a nutcase, but um, me personally, and I think you know I'm a writer, I just don't go out there advertising, but I live in a world that's dark all the time. And mm -hmm. my reason is, well, part of it is because of the fact, you know, my ethnicity, number one, uh, my culture, number two, but mainly because, see, when I was coming up, which is in the 60s and the 70s, uh, we didn't have, even though I understand where you're coming from, we didn't have all the so-called typical counselors and everybody, oh, well, we need to no. take Johnny to this and this and that. What we had to do right. is, you know, if something was wrong, you go to your parish minister or your priest because right. they were at that point in time considered your best counselors unless you lived in that elitist world where... 
you know, Dr. So-and-so that has 18,000 degrees and masters or whatever, who's never, <laughs> yeah. who never been outside his little environmental incubator, uh, wanted to try to put you in that same capsule. So right. my point is, and I guess my brother said it the best way. Uh, he said, man, we had a, we screwed, man, because this priest wants to put us in jail. He don't know what the hell he's talking about. And I got to give you credit, big bro, because you managed to keep us all together. I said, man, if you really don't know my demons. So we don't want to talk about that. But right. uh, my thing is this. I think there might be about, I don't know, 20 year difference between us. But my thing has always been, when you deal with certain people who are supposed to have your livelihood, you know, uh, taken care of, fidelity, the trust of it, and right. they basically tell you, well, you're kind of screwed, basically. Uh, <laughs> pretty um, much. You pretty much have to realize, you know what, well, if you think that way, as my brother put it, is that it? We just, we are born from a baby, and we live a moment, and we die? That's all you're going to tell me? That's life? And I, at that point, told my brother, well, you know what, just screw it, man. We're going to be dead before we hit 21, 21 anyway, so what the hell. It's just us against the world type philosophy. And I remember telling Ronnie, one of the reasons I started writing was because of that. And the other reason I started writing is because I was 40 years old and we were sitting around the table. Well, I was 40 plus, so my brother was around 40. And we were sitting around the table with a friend of mine, wondering, what the hell are we going to do now? Uh, and people were looking at us like, what are you talking about? Well, hell. I didn't expect to be the. I didn't expect to be forty. Did you? Well, no. Did you? No. So now, what the hell are we going to do? We sure got. We got to figure out now. What the hell are we doing? And try to figure out how to live because we kind of screwed right now. And that's one of the reasons certain um, pieces I write about is in reference to that. So I guess my question would be. Did you have to deal with the, some of the typical, stereotypical type problems? Or were your environment, or at least the landscape that you were around, did it ease you back into the real world the way you wanted it to be? That's, that's a very good question. Um, first of all, I am... Let me put this out there. I probably will always have the scars staring back at me when I'm looking in the mirror based on my history and stuff like that. Um, I still struggle with those demons every day, and I probably will be haunted with the memories of what occurred in my lifetime. Um, I grew up in a very abusive house, um, as well as outside of the house. I was not around the right people. Um, my father was very ill. He is very healthy now. My 
has come now to give PTSD a real treatment goal and not to have the stigma behind it. But those demons will always be there. I think that's why writing is important to me. Um, when it comes to being, you know, throwing my hands up and said I don't give a crap anymore what people think or anything like that, um, again, that's a struggle. But the point where I decided that my life is worth something over the demons that tell me it's not and those negative influences tell me it's not um, was probably when I find, when I turned 25. Um, that's when my struggle finally had a breathing point. I came out of the closet, so to speak, at 23 um, to talk about my sexual history a little bit without going into detail, of course. Um, and the reason why I probably have what some people say survivor's regret or survivor's guilt is because between the ages of 15 and 17, I slept with about 72 different people. Wow, wow. and I thought I was the whole day. Um, unprotected <laughs> in most cases. We didn't have condom talks in school back then and stuff like that. We were not taught that. And this is Southern California, and HIV was on the rise, big time. Uh, seven of my friends actually died when I was 17. Wow. And that's hard for a high schooler. So yeah. I had that on top of everything else. I think because of my history, I was very hypersexual. Um, and that's a completely different story. But hence why I have the material to talk about uh, the book that's coming out. Um, but. I had to make the choice that my life is worth something by helping others. I had to make that conscious choice that I can continue the cycle, I can continue to let depression overtake me, I can continue to let the traumas overtake me over and over again. Um, knowing that they're going to make their head, you know, they're going to rear their ugly head once in a while in my life, throughout my whole lifetime, and I know that already but I had to make the conscious choice myself. Um, yes, I had counselors. Yes, I had support systems. Yes, I had some incredible teachers and I had some not so incredible teachers that guided me throughout, through the path. Um, many people understood me, but many people didn't understand me. Many people didn't take the time to understand me, which is number one problem in that, especially with the education system. And that still occurs now to this day. Yeah, we don't want to. When I turned 25, I looked in the mirror and I said, you know, I'm heading down that dark road again. I live in dark a lot, too. I can relate to you, but I choose to ignore it. That's a hard task to say. It's very hard just to put it out there because there's a lot of practice to that preaching. But I had to make the decision that I can be miserable and, and fearful and terrified and not trusting of anybody or I can start allowing myself to have loving relationships with friends and family and to forgive them and forgive everyone who has hurt me forgive the people who raped me as a child and as a young adult forgive the people who tried to kill me and I'm not being metaphorical here literally tried to kill me 
I had to get to that point at 25 years old and say, I forgive them. I didn't necessarily tell a lot of them to their face I forgave them. I forgave them for me so I could move on and not let them continue to have the power over me that they held for most of my, my life. And it was starting to take me over in my adult life. So I had to make that conscious decision myself. I hope well, that answers your question. Well, I appreciate you telling me that. And I'm glad that you're dealing with it. Unlike me, sometimes things happen, and like I try to tell Ronnie sometimes, it's a ongoing process with me. It's, mm -hmm. I'm just surprised I'm still around, to be quite honest, because I had somebody ask me, what, how do you feel? And I'm like, do you want the truth, or do you want me to lie to you? You know, because a lot of people like to lie better than the truth. And, True. Uh, that is correct. Uh, you know, uh, it wasn't until a few years, like I told Ronnie though, and I'll we can talk about that later. But uh, my books <laughs> are kind of out there. When people first read one of them, uh, one of my friends read of them, they said, "Damn, that's where you are. That's where you." Well, first of all, they didn't know I could write. Number <laughs> one, they were like shocked about that first, you know. And then the second thing they were like saying, "Man, I don't know. I want to read book two. Good boy, you, you out there?" I'm like, "Well, you don't know." It goes through my mind sometimes, but uh, I appreciate what you said, and I'll let Ronnie continue on, or we can. Well, I tell you what, why don't we just do a station break and then we'll come back. Sounds uh, good. that. <laughs> okay, is that okay with you? That works. Okay awesome. then. This is G.E. Shaw and you're listening to Ronnie Deshay and friends. Ronnie, the literary writer of Tacoma and Forrest, the up and coming poet of Tacoma. This is G.E. Shaw. We'll be back. Are you an independent musician? How would you like to have your songs played on hundreds of radio stations just like the one you're listening to right now? Join MusicSubmit.com and we'll promote your music to radio stations and blogs in your genre. It's free to set up your account and we guarantee your music will be considered for airplay by radio stations worldwide. Why not sign up today? It's free. MusicSubmit.com, radio promotion for indie musicians. Are you an independent musician? How would you like to have your songs played on hundreds of radio stations just like the one you're listening to right now? Join MusicSubmit.com and we'll promote your music to radio stations and blogs in your genre. It's free to set up your account and we guarantee your music will be considered for airplay by radio stations worldwide. Why not sign up today? It's free. MusicSubmit.com, radio promotion for indie musicians.
Hello, this is GE Shaw once again. If you've been thinking about learning how to get into a new career dealing with podcasting, online radio, streaming radio, all the different names out there, you ought to try out my friends at Anchor. That's www.anchor.fm. They will they give you the best of everything for podcasting, especially people who are just starting out. Unlimited free hosting, which means you don't pay for it. One-click distribution. And this one-click distribution gets you to all the major players out there. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, every platform out there. Anchor does all the work. Monetization for podcasts, something new that Anchor has just bought on. If you want your listeners out there listening to you, and they love listening to you, have them make a donation. That's Anchor. And you can record from everywhere. Anchor. www.anchor.fm Check it out. You won't forget it. This is G.E. Show. You're very eloquent in your questions and what you talk about. Oh, okay. But this is G.E. Show. This is, of course, Running and Friends. And we will be back with more music and more a little bit of everything else after Ronnie does her thing. This is G.E. Shaw. Take it away, Ronnie. Thank you. We are talking tonight with Thor Stepnowski, author of Journey to the Rainbow's End, A Drag Queen's Odyssey, and his book that will be coming out soon in June called Bound. And that title is kind of self-explanatory. has has agreed to read one of his poems from Journey to the Rainbow's End, so I will let him do that now. This one's entitled Chasing the Rainbow's End. Once upon a time, as the tale goes, there was a little boy, odd, but loving and nurturing, but scared by painful memories and living night terrors. I sit in the center trapped by four walls, going crazy to the confinement of my soul. Debating what is reality and what is fantasy. Closing my eyes to daydream, my fears and tears away. Watching to escape into yesteryear. Remembering is my past that tends to haunt me. Whatever happened to the fairy tales that made our dreams come true. And our desires become reality. But my childhood ended before my adulthood really began. I see the rainbow and its vivid colors that reach the heavens, wishing they would remain forever in the twilight of dusk, like a midsummer night's dream, chasing the rainbow, hoping to find the end. But it taunts me so. The end always escapes me. I come to and face reality and wake up from my daydreaming, rediscovering the hurt and the bruises I thought healed from years ago. Do I see the rainbow's end within my grasp? I stand underneath the center of the rainbow. To the left, I see my past and the journey of healing, becoming a stronger man, still standing underneath the center of the rainbow's peak. To the right, I see hazy images, future events that have yet to become. I become frightened like a child who constantly lives in the dark, losing my breath over and over again. Why am I constantly afraid of the dark? when the dark has been my home for so long. I began to shake off the haze like a lost boy in Neverland, 
Can I rise from the tattered puzzle pieces that were my life? Or do I constantly ride the roller coaster of highs and lows, chasing rainbows over and over again? Hoping to catch the unicorn so that my dreams will come true, or is that just another delusion of make-believe? What will I find at the rainbow's end? Will there be a pot of cold? Or a leprechaun who will grant me a wish? When will I grow up from my land of make-believe? The truth is always hard to swallow. Why do I constantly feel trapped under the rainbow? Am I suffocating or being forced to realize the rainbow's end is a mess? That is the rainbows of life. Sometimes the colors are vivid and beautiful. Sometimes the colors are faded and dismal. My journey to the rainbow's end is enduring, never ending, never final. With pain comes healing, empowered, strengthened, enlightened.
starting off with a bright point and it ends very dark. Um, it is an incredible book for those who have not read it yet, um, even for those who are our colleagues in the RRBC. Um, really look at this young man. I think you're going to enjoy his work, and he also has goals to be a child, a children's writer. So I think we're going to see more of him in the future. Well, that would be fun. And what's his name again? What's Marcus his name? Robinson. Is he on Facebook or anything? Um, he, that is his pen name. I, I will not give his real name out there out of respect for him, but he is on Twitter. Uh, you can find him on Twitter um, through mine and Ronnie's as well. Uh, as I believe it's at Poet Margaret Robinson. Um, um, no, it's Poet, it's, it's uh, Poet M. Robertson. There we go. Uh, he, you can catch him on Amazon where his book is uh, still on sale. Uh, recently has been being picked up a little bit more over the past month. Um, he's very encouraged by that and well, his writing awesome. is very unique and I think you guys will all enjoy it. Cool. Cool. Okay. I, can I, I have another question here. Mm-hmm. Well, Melanie. Bryce, uh, do you think you'll write a novel at some point? Uh, that's actually one of my books that I'm working on currently. It's called The Boy Who Couldn't Speak. Um, that is kind of a lot like Jan Sykes' style. Um, it is about me, but it's fictionalized. So, yes, uh, that is going to be in the works, and I hope to have that completed by either winter of this year or January or February of next year. So yeah. I've been working on that for a little bit, yes. Damn, boy. Awesome. You're doing pretty good. It takes me damn uh, near... trying to. <laughs> it takes me... <laughs> trying to. <laughs> well, it takes me about a year to do something. Um... Actually, the last my last book that I'm writing was supposed to been do was supposed, was supposed to been out early this year, but it's not. So we still we all there. can relate to that. <laughs> we, we all can not, relate to that. We will not even talk about Winter of the Drill. That book is so fundamental. I, 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 I was about to say, but I didn't. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was about two years ago that was supposed to be out. I didn't know. Actually, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I think. Most writers can feel your pain. I would mm. definitely say that. Um, I wanted to, for since you are also, as am I, a member of Rave Reviews Book Club. Um, yes. I wanted to know if you have, you said that you had just finished reading a book last week, so I wanted to um, touch on some of the books that you have read since you joined RRBC. Oh, goodness. What was um, it read this week? Just actually in the past week, I've read three different things. Um, I tend to be a fast reader sometimes lately. I don't know why. Maybe because I'm writing more, I'm able to read faster. Who knows? Um, but there's a couple things I've just read. One of them is Chester Poetry by D.L. Sin. Um, incredible, incredible writer. 
um, I was lost in her poetry. Um, I was stunned by her imagery. She takes this Mother Earth approach to her writing with her poetry, and I was entranced. I couldn't put it down. I think I read her book all night, to tell you the truth, because it was so entranced with the poetry and her imagery, and not just of the season that she's reflecting, but she's also talking about the soul and its emotions throughout her poetry. And it was just stunning. I gave it up. I just did a review on it on my blog, and it was a five-star review. I, I would highly recommend that to anybody who, you know, I'm a poet, so obviously I love poetry, but I love other things too. But if you love uh, blank first poetry, um, that is another term for freelance. Um, pick up her book. It's also on Amazon. It is amazing. The other book I was pleasantly surprised by was Carl Mogan. Um, he's also a member of RBC. Carl wrote, writes in the style of fantasy, but not what you consider fantasy. Um, I found his writing also, it captured me. I was very thrilled that I was introduced to this writer. Um, but the book 2121, Twilight's Last Gleaming, I highly recommend for those who like fantasy, that's mixed with realism. Um, it is a it's a just a, a, a I can't speak today. I'm just stuttering over. <laughs> Think of it in a way of the world changing, politics, people becoming disenfranchised meets fantasy. Um, Think of dystopian points of view. Think of chaos amongst um, government. Um, something that's probably not the heart for people to consider nowadays, but I'll let that be. That's a different topic. But I found his book, it took fantasy to a whole new level for me, and I actually plan on reading the rest of this series as well. I'm currently reading Susan Burke's collection called The Alternative, um, that is a collection of short, um, short stories that I'm just entranced with some of them. She's very dark and, and some dark humor in there too, so it really captured me. Um, I can't wait to finish reading that. Um, God, what else did I read lately? I've been really into reading lately too. It's kind of funny. <laughs> well, I would like to real quick and say that um, D.L. Finn... Um, also wrote a book for the Alpha and Omega short story contest last year called Bigfoot. And I read that and it was a real different take on the whole Bigfoot thing. Um, she's a very very creative writer and I really enjoyed that short story. Um, I am falling in love again with short stories, mainly because with my vision as bad as it is, it's hard for me to read, and so a full-length novel with a few hundred pages is a very daunting task for me, whereas short stories, I can read most of them by the time, you know, I, I start getting a really bad headache, so right. <laughs> I'm, I'm really yeah, liking those stories. And Bigfoot, it was cute, it was a little serious, there was an undertone, I don't know if she meant it to be this way, but I definitely picked this up. A real undertone of the whole 
big brother government watching everything and having to get its fat little hands into everybody's pie, you know, um, it really was, I thought it was an excellent, excellent little story and I recommend it. Uh, and again, that is Bigfoot by author D.L. Finn. Uh, you I'm can find it to add that to my list. <laughs> as far as Carl Morgan goes, I have 2121. I haven't read it yet, but it's I'm working my way to it. That's the only problem with being a member of the book club is there's so many books on my yeah. TBR list. You know, it's just incredible. And every time I think, okay, I'm going to make some progress, then I get 10 more added on. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the more you get involved with the book club, this will be, I'm actually hitting my year mark uh, next month. So I have to renew my dues soon. So I honestly, and I plan on it. Don't help me. (laughs) Um, But it's been such a ride and getting to know some of the talented writers out there. Um, anywhere from Marlena Smith to Bean Weeks to um, Nani Joel, who's the president and founder of RDC. And, um, you know, Susan Burke, learning her writing and stuff like that. And Dale Finn, who's just a joy to talk to individually. Val Roop, who's a new uh, poet and writer of RBC, but has been writing for a long time. I have some of her poetry books on my radar to read next as well. It is this culmination of all genres, and we all support each other, and we all challenge each other to write better and to be even more in depth with our writing and to challenge each other to write even more creatively and to push each other to write about things that put us in, you know, that makes people think. You know, you've heard me speak about things that get me or books that put me in a place where I, I, I become culturally dissonant. You know, with Carl's book is a good example of that. You know, I'm a social worker outside of being a writer and I specialize with geriatric and mental health. And I found myself arguing with some of the characters in his book and I was like, oh wait, it's a book forest. It's a story. Tell me back. Step <laughs> away from the book. It's not real. And, you know, in my review, I discussed that, and Carl was thrilled because he's like, oh my God, you got me. You got my writing. You figured me out. And when we are, as writers are able to do that with our reader, it's such a feeling of elation and of joy and that connection with me. It's like a songwriter writing a song and having a popular voice sing it. Not every voice can sing it the same way. But when that one singer can sing it a specific way that hits the listening ear, emotions are shared. And the same thing goes with literary arts, with poetry, writing short stories, writing novels, etc. When our readers feel what we're putting into that paper, as much as people can with music, we've done our job. And that's what our RBC is about, and that's what they do. Exactly. I just finished reading uh, The Fall of Lilith. Have you read that one yet? By Vashti? No. I want to. There's a couple of her books I want to read. She has some, and her covers are gorgeous. I love the covers of her books. I will say one thing about (laughs) (laughs) I will say one thing about The Fall of Lilith. Um, I did not like Lilith. I mean, I would have shut that 
I almost said the B word. I would have shot her on sight um, if I actually ran into her. I didn't like her at all. Uh, very manipulative, <laughs> very conniving, very all about me, 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 me. But the thing is, to create a character who I believe that was her intent, uh, to create a character that is so dislikable, but yet, uh, and I think I said this in the review that I left, I've read books where I hated a character, the main character, to the point where I put the book down. I just, I, I had no interest because there was nothing yeah. in that character that kept me turning the pages. So for a writer to take a character and write this character to be dislikable, but yet not cross that line into so freaking nasty you just can't finish the book, that is talent. And she is definitely a talented author. Um, I, I was hoping for that. So I look forward to doing that. And I've heard that in some of her reviews already. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that's attracting me to her books is seeing the reviews. Um, and believe it or not, writers like when our books are reviews, because whether it's a good review or a bad review, because it gives us a perception that we're not thinking of. It, we're, it, we're getting the perception from the person reading it and what they're translating it into. And that's how we become stronger writers. So what well, I've seen about her books, I, I just, she's very good at that imagery and that, capturing that angst. <laughs> so I can't wait to read the books. And, and I will say to those of you listeners who are readers, uh, if you pick up a book, go back to Amazon, even if you get the book someplace else, go to Amazon and leave a review. Because for the authors, if there's something in the book that you didn't like, it helps us maybe to not make the same mistake in a future book. Um, yeah. If it was a strong point in the book, let us know, because that tells us we're doing a good job. Um, but, you know, I think I learn as much from my less than stellar reviews as I do from the five star reviews because it helps me to know maybe where a weak point is so that I can avoid that. Um, especially, like, for example, with me writing a series, these characters are going to be coming back in book after book after book. So if there's a, a trait, or something that somebody does that really just doesn't read well, I don't want to make it an ongoing thing with this character if my readers hate it. <laughs> exactly. So exactly. When people leave reviews, we learn from that. And the good thing about today's uh, literary world is most indie authors are not only on Twitter or Facebook, so you can find us, but we love contacting or being contacted by our readers and yes. we love i mean only speaking for myself i love talking book so if somebody contacts me on twitter and says hey ronnie you know i just wanted to tell you this that or the other thing i'm like wow so cool and i'll sit and yeah. talk i will i mean you know me i'm a motor mouth but um i love it when people reach out to me and say hey i read your book and this is what i me thought too. i like it you know. Yeah, me I, too. I just had that happen recently, and I talked to Marlene about it. I had a, a young 20-something-year-old gentleman from Germany um, find me on Facebook. Now, you got to be careful with the Facebook people messages, because, you know, there's a bot and stuff like that out there. But when you, when I started reading what he was saying to me, and it was about my book, he goes, I have questions for you. I have 
you survived more than I think that's in your book. And I'm dealing with similar demons. Can we talk? And he felt the need to reach out to me because of the content of that book. And I didn't even know it was in Germany, to tell you the truth. And that's the art of Kindle. You know, there you go. Yeah. <clears throat> but he was so touched by that. Um, by that conversation and we were able to talk what he liked about the poems and he was able to share with me what he didn't like about the poems uh, mainly because he saw himself in some of the poems that were about me oh and i said well look at it this way then if you see yourself in the poetry i wrote well number one i did my job number two i'm your end i'm your hope this is your life path now. You have the choice to let the demons in your darkness and your past catch up to you, or you have the right to ignore them and turn the path and change the, take an alternate route that's going to enhance your life. And um, I've still talked to him quite a bit. Uh, wonderful, wonderful kid. Um, I was touched by that. And I've had a few people, uh, including people I've worked with, that do not identify as gay or lesbian or, or transgendered or anything. Um, also reach out to me after reading my book. I didn't know they read your book, my book, but they, <laughs> I had one regional nurse at a company I used to work for, shall not use the names, but the, this nurse asked for my autograph. Ooh. And I was like, what? And she pulled out my book out of her purse. She goes, this, this, is why are you working as a social worker? This is your calling. I said, well, what, what makes you think I can't do both? Good. I can do both social work as well as write and help people in both lives. And he knows I have been, oh, Amazon has been annoying me lately. Um, but we like our Amazon because it sells us Right, yes, I don't want to see kill of the person who's selling of my book. However, um, there's some campaign ad stuff that they put out there, but they marched my book somewhere as a self-help book. And I'm like, there's a drag queen on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> what made you think that is a self-help book? <laughs> so they're investigating and hopefully they'll get that fixed soon. But um, it's amazing how our books our books can be interpreted by people just by the titles and by the descriptions and stuff like that, so. Well, I'll tell you, it's kind of funny. My first, I mean, you've read Shadow of the Grill. My yes, first I have. Agent, my first agent was marketing that, or she wanted to market it as erotica until I threw a screaming fit. That it wasn't was erotica. erotica. No, it's not at all. I mean, I have to say that there are a couple of steamy scenes, but... If yeah. I'm going to buy a book that's an erotica novel, then I want the sex and the steaminess to be front and center. And if right. there's a plot, not in you know, I don't want to have to think about it too much. It's not supposed to be the main thing, you know, aside. I mean, the main thing is supposed to be the steaminess between the characters. This book is not that way. And I told her, this is not an erotica novel. I said, if I bought this book, Thinking of getting erotica, I said I'd be upset. I'd demand my money back. You know, and then especially with the killings and, and stuff and bloodshed, isn't you? But, um, mm -hmm. 
Um, it was probably one of the best circles I could have gotten involved with from the beginning because the support you get is just phenomenal. And you will get people who will proofread your book for you together. There are services through RRBC um, that are a lot more affordable than half the things you see out there with publishers and publication companies, I can tell you that right now. And even marketing advice. Um, listen to the broadcast. You, you hear me and Ronnie tonight on her radio show. RRBC has several different podcasts that they do weekly. Listen to those. Learn from these experienced writers. Learn from their passion. Learn from the mistakes that they did with their own marketing. You know, there's a saying out there now um, for independent writers. The thing we have to remember is we got first write the book. So write. Then you got to publish. And then you got to promote. You got to self-market. You got to take on the industry that tries to shut independent authors down. The, the reason why independent authors are on the rise in the United States and actually around the world um, because of our art form and because of the way the system works now, um, there's a lot more bumps in the independent writers that are out there than there are in the New York Times best 10, you know, all of that stuff. So it, it, you really do your research, really learn the writers out there. And I guarantee you will find a genre or mixture of genres that you're going to fall in love with, both as a reader and as a writer. I guarantee it. Absolutely. <clears throat> I think we are almost at the, yeah, we are. We actually went over a little bit. <laughs> oh, my. Sorry. <laughs> so I will turn this back over to Greg here in a second. But first, I I just want to thank you, Forrest, for coming back. It has been so much fun talking to you again. And you. let me tell everybody out there, um, the name of your book is Journey to the Rainbow's End, A Drag Queen's Odyssey. Available on Kindle or paperback. <laughs> on Amazon. And I'm also going to do a little shameless self-promotion here. Um, I have, well, thank you. I have uh, four or five books up on Amazon, and um, I know that my name is hard to figure out if you've never seen it written. So I'll just give you the name of the book, and you can find me, you can find the books. Um, one of my favorite little books is called A Perilous Thirst, and it's on Amazon. Um, Amazing book. Amazing thank short you. story. Thank you. It should be a novel. Uh, I've said that before, but yes, it's <laughs> But yes, A Perilous Thirst, uh, take a look at it on Amazon. If you like vampire stories, you might like that one. And, um... I want to thank all of you for listening tonight, and I really want to thank Greg for running our studio and uh, popping in here and there. It's always fun when he gets in on the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I guess I will say goodbye, and I will turn things over to Greg. We'll be back in two weeks, and uh, we will see you then. And this is G.E. Shaw, and you've been listening to the Ronnie and Friends Show with her special guest, Forrest Stamnosti. And if you want to know anything else about her, you can check her out on Twitter. That's at Ronnie D. Shea, I think. But if not, 
Just check me out and I'll give you the information. This is G.E. Shaw. And we'll be back in one minute. Well, I will let you go for now. Um, and you've been right. listening to Thank the you, Greg. Show. I'll be back this coming Friday night with Late Night. And stay tuned two weeks from now for the next Ryan Deshae Show. You never know who our guest will be. It could be The Ripper. This is G.E. Shaw. <laughs> you have a good night. <laughs>